It is so good to be here tonight, and I've been looking forward to teaching this ever since I got started on it about two months ago, actually been longer than that. It was last year, I was reading an article, and it was just an article on, on, on the uh, web, and I, I read it, and I thought, uh, I like that idea. It was, an, it was an excerpt from a book that somebody had written, they were promoting, and it, it was just a short, brief article, and it mentioned the rings of the Lord, and a few things uh, in that, and I copied it and uh, put it on my desktop, you know, I've got it uh, electronically, and then I came back, this was last year, then I came back a few months ago, and I was reading through them, and I read it again. And I like, I don't even know who it was that wrote the article. Uh, I know where I got it from, but I, I don't know the person or either. But I got to thinking about that. And I thought, boy, that would be a great way. You know, we have, you, you have athletes, and they, you look at them as they play, but you have, like on the high school team, the coach will have his football players there, and he'll, uh, he wants to see them grow. And the athletes, when they get on that team, they want to grow. And they'll, they'll wonder sometimes, uh, am I really advancing athletically or not? Especially when the coach goes time after time in every game saying, let's win, 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 but you're never put on the playing field. And they don't know, am I gaining or am I losing? Am I becoming a, a better Football player, am, am, am I moving backwards? You know, how do I gauge myself? I have nothing to gauge it by. And I've had Christians say, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I, I don't know if I'm advancing or not. I don't know if I'm getting closer to the Lord or uh, I don't know exactly where I am. And I thought, this would be a good measuring tool. So I began to work and, and, and look at, at uh, uh, what I call these. I, I call them the proximity circles of commitment. This is the proximity circles to Jesus Christ. Jesus had his circles around him. And as I got to looking at those, and I thought, whoa, here's one circle. Oh, here's another circle. Oh, here's another circle. And I came up with eight circles surrounding Jesus. And I come from the world all the way to the one, John the Baptist, whom Jesus said he loved. Now, what's the difference between those out here and between the one that's the closest? There are rings as you get closer to Jesus. And as we study those rings... We can look at the characteristics of those rings and put them in our daily lives and what we're doing right here today. And it gives us a gauge. Are we drawing closer? Are we standing still? Or are we going backward? And this is what I want to look at. But I, I did this study and I've been writing and, and, and doing research on it. And, and right, In fact, this whole book I've got right here is, is this Bible study. And I've divided it into four sections. But the purpose for it is not so somebody in the congregation can look at somebody else and say, Whoo, boy, they're in the eighth circle out there. 
Oh, look at that person. They think they're in the third circle. They're out there on the, on the seventh one. No, that's not the point. The point of this whole Bible study is so that when you look at yourself, it's a self-examination, where are you? Where do you fit into these circles? Are you moving closer to God? Are you standing still? Are you going backward? And this is a gauge for you yourself to, to gauge yourself by. And that, that's what is so important. Uh, the New King James Version of the Bible, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Where you see faith, you're going to see what? Works. works. Where you see faith, you're going to see works. But it's not by your works that gets you to heaven. You understand that? Uh, but, but does your faith produce action? And do your actions exemplify your faith? And this is something you look at for yourself as we go through this. And I'll uh, get into the circles and, and, and explain this in, in just a moment. But the whole thing is drawing closer to God. You as an individual want to draw closer to the Lord. God wants everybody, every man, woman, boy, and girl to draw closer to Him. And the closer we are, the greater you find out He is. The closer you are, the more power you have. The closer you are, the safer you feel, even in unsafe times. But Jesus had an inner circle. Now, I've got this divided into four parts, and tonight we're looking at just the first part. So if you miss any particular Sunday night during this month, make sure you watch it on Facebook or whatever so you pick it up, because I'm going to go through all eight circles, and then we're going to look at the characteristics of those circles, and you can see, whoo, do I fit in that circle? Or I'm closer than that. Uh, and it looks like it. But Jesus had an inner circle. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, and it, 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 it gives us different examples, that he had several circles of relationships around him. And when the mother of James and John asked Jesus to allow her sons to enter one of those circles, he didn't, he didn't deny her request, but he knew she didn't know what she was talking about. Because Jesus said in Matthew 20 and 22, Can you drink of the cup I'm going to drink of? Jesus knew what it meant to be in the inner circle. Because he is the inner circle. And he knows what it means. Pastor and author J. Oswald Sanders Pastor, to say what you just said a while ago, we are as close to God as we choose to be. Wow. So the next time you wonder, you say, oh, those, per those people are getting such a blessing. Oh, you know, you can be as close to God as you want to be. If you're not close to God, it's not your neighbor's fault. It's not the pastor's fault. It's not your uh, 
a friend's fault. If you're not close to God, it's your fault. Because you can be as close as you want to be. And God has made it perfectly clear that he is very interested in us being very close to him. Uh, one, of my, one of my great concerns for the church is that we not, not only challenge people to grow closer to Jesus, but we also find ways to help them know when they're drawing closer. And that's the purpose of this Bible study, is to help you know when you are drawing closer to the Lord. Uh, and like I said before, if you're on an athletic team and you never participate, you don't know what you're doing. You're just sitting there. You become lackadaisical. If you're a church member and you just sit there and you never do anything, you're never involved, you know, you're, uh, there's no activity, there's no nothing, be careful because you become complacent where you are. And you look at any of these rings that we're going to be looking at and uh, of these circles, you don't want to be stuck in any outer part of these layers. And I think you'll understand that as we go along. But first of all, I want to look at these circles. I began to, to study and pray of the, you know, what are these circles? How can I, how can I do this? And you, you have to consider the circles uh, of relationships that gravitated to Jesus Christ because he is, he is the center of the circle. Uh, we call these circles of proximity to Christ. Where are you standing in relation to Christ? In an overview of these, I, I've come up with eight of them. And the first of all, no matter who a person is, where they're born, what nationality, they're born into the world. And that's the first one we're going to be looking at is the world itself. And then the second uh, ring or circle, if you want to call it, relationship, are the crowds. And I'm going to be talking about these tonight. The crowds. Then after the crowds that kind of follow Jesus from a distance, then you have the 5,000. And then after the 5,000, you have the 70, or some, some people say the 72. It, it depends, the 70 or 72. Then after that, we go to the 120. Anybody have an idea who the 120 are? The upper room experience. And then after the 120, we go to the 12. Now, why I've got the 512, I don't know. But it's, you go to the 12. <laughs> we have 512s. That's a good ring, you know. Uh, but anyway, you go to the 12. And then, from the 12, you go down to the 3. There were three disciples who were just right there with Jesus. I mean, uh, they, they were with him at places that others did not get to experience. And then after the three, you come down to one. One, and that is John the Baptist, the beloved disciple. And then at the end of it, you're going to have to ask yourself a question. Where do I fit? Where do I fit into this, th these circles? Now, these circles, if you can see this here, there are 
seven circles, and then you have the world in the background, which is the eighth. These are the proximity circles. Jesus Christ is right in the middle. And that's where we want to be. When we start out here in the world, we want to move up. You want to move into the crowd. Then you want to move past the crowd on up to the 5,000. Then you want to start participation in the church and working as Jesus said in the 70. Then you want to work on up and get a little closer and be in that group for the 120. Then you want to move a little closer and be into that group where Jesus talks about his 12 disciples. And then you want to move even closer and be in that close proximity of those disciples or those three that really experienced things that no other disciples experienced. And then the one, the one disciple. Now, what are the characteristics of each one of these groups? We're going to take a look. And I, I, I've given you a, a paper like this. Everybody has this, I hope. Is anybody doesn't have one? Uh, yes, Bonnie, back here. Uh, she has these. These are the slides, and it's a place where you can take a few notes as I go through it, and I'll do a different section each week. But we have eight circles where people experience Christ. And each one is a little more important than the other. And we want to take a quick look at these as we uh, go through these. And you, you, can, you can see on this how everything goes and gets closer to the Lord. That's the key. Are we drawing closer? Now, we're looking at this one, first of all. This is the very first one. This is the outer part where you see the, the continents in, in the back of This is the world. Everybody is born into the world, no matter where they are. And I want to look at some characteristics of the world because as I began to look at this, there were some things that opened up to me that I really, I've read it, but it never did dawn on me exactly the relationship here. Our current population uh, is about 8 billion people. That's worldwide. About 8 billion people. Now I want us to look at these countries. Here are the top three. I want, we want to look at the top 10 countries in the world. China has the greatest population of any country in the world. Over 1 billion, almost 400. Are going on 500 million, 1 billion, 500 million. That's a lot of people. The next one is India. India with 1 billion and almost 400 million people. Now look at our relationship. The United States is third, 331 million. Now these are current statistics from this year from last month, rather. Now look at these. Do you realize that China and India have both have one billion people more than the United States? Does that tell you where we fit in relation to the rest of the world? 
I've had a, had a chance to go to Indonesia, which is the largest concentration uh, uh, in the world that, that we have of the people that we have, we seem to fight against the most as we go back to the days of Israel and as we go back to the birth uh, uh, of, of the prophets and we go back to uh, Jesus and the, the start of the human race in this particular area. Uh, what group am I talking about? Muslims. This is the largest concentration of Muslims in the world right there in Indonesia. And Bunny and I had a chance to, to be there at a conference. And we went into Indonesia and... It was the Muslims who actually took care of us Christians while we were there. Now, you can laugh at that one for a while. But when you go to a hotel and uh, you, you drive in, before you even get there, you have to stop. It's a bus, vehicle, truck, doesn't matter. And they look under your car, through your car, they, you're inspected all the way through. Then when you get to the hotel, you get out and you have to go through a body scan before you even go into the hotel. And somebody asked me while we were over there, well, didn't you feel, you know, insecure? I said, nope. I felt probably more protected than I did in the United States because they were taking care of me. And two, I had God. And in, 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 in answer to your question a while ago, your statement a while ago, Pastor, whenever the Lord tells you to go, you better go. Well, the Lord has taken us around the world. And one of the hardest things it was for me to do for Bonnie was to leave here. And the part about leaving here was the church. It was hard for us to leave this church to go when the Lord said, go. And we went, but he's taken us a lot of places. God has opened the doors so much. Now, is it good to be home? Oh, yeah. It's great to be home. It's good to be back. But if you obey the Lord, you're okay. He's, he's going to take care of you. But, but look, look at these right here. China, India, USA. We have a world yet to win for Christ. Now, it's not that all of these haven't heard about Christ. A lot of them have. But look at the opportunity that we still have in America. Now let's look at, at uh, the next one. Indonesia is one I was just talking about, 273 million people. And then we go to Pakistan, Brazil, Nigeria, Bangladesh, Russia, and Mexico. What I wanted to do was put us in perspective of who we are in the United States of America compared to the rest of the world. And I am so glad, I am so glad that God allowed me to be born in the United States. We are a blessed people. We take that for uh, advantage of that. And, and uh, so, so much, we don't give enough thanks for what has done for us. Now, in looking at the uh, populations... Now, I also want to look at the world religions. Uh, and, and 
how, how it comes in, into play here. We have hundreds of religions and spiritual beliefs across the globe. Uh, and it can be broken down, and, and I want to do that as we begin to, to look at these, to break these down. And the top two you see here is Christianity and Islam. We have been uh, at odds with each, each other for how long? Ever since when? Ever since Ishmael was born? <laughs> uh, we have been at, at odds. But we have to look at all of these other religions to see where we are in the midst of it. Now, Christianity has about... Two billion members worldwide. Of course, this is made up of Roman Catholics. It's also made up of Protestants. Uh, it's just within the Roman Catholic Church, you have Eastern Orthodoxy and Protestantism uh, and, and Roman, Roman Catholicism based within Christianity, rather. Based within the realm of Christianity. Now, well, where would this put us if we talk about just the church of God? Oh, but we're, we're, we're magnified, aren't we? We're, we're, we're a big spot on this planet. No. Because we have about 7 million members of the church of God worldwide. We have about 36,000 churches. We are in 178 countries. That sounds good. How many of you have been outside of the United States? Very few. All you know is what's here. Some people, and I've been to some churches, all they know is what's in their area. Some know what's in their state. And they don't even look at the Church of God as being worldwide. They just look at it in their area. But the Church of God is a major force but at the same time, we're so small. Now, if we only have about uh, 2 million people, or 2 billion in Christianity, and we have about 7 million in the church of God. Can you do your math there? We are but a dot we are not, we're just a dot in the religious realm of the world. But, thank God for that dot. Thank God for Christianity. Now we have Islam. Now Islam has about one, a little over one billion people in the world. Not as large as Christianity worldwide. But its growth is so fast and so dominating. We as Christians really need to be praying and, and working. But uh, you, you got Christianity, you got Muslims. Now we go to the others. Here's Hinduism. Now, Hinduism mostly is in India and Southeast Asia. And a lot of, uh, of theologians, they don't even look at this 
as a religion. They look at it as a uh, spiritual practice. It, it's, a, it's a way of life is, is the way that a lot of them look at Hinduism. And then we go to uh, uh, Buddhism. Buddhism also is in, in India. And it shares the Hindu belief of the Dharma. And there are three branches of Buddhism. The Theravada, the Mahayana, and the Vajrana, Vajrayana. These are the, the, the Buddhists who are seeking enlightenment. Then we go to the Sikh. How many have ever heard of the Sikh? See, this is, this is a major movement among our Indians, and uh, a lot of us have never even heard of it. But they generally don't even look for converts. It's, it's amazing that they have some 25 million followers. Uh, it, it's amazing, and I won't, won't go into it, but, but it has to do with 10 gurus. And, uh, uh, and some look at this, you know, it, it, here again, it, it's, it's a way of life with these people. Then way on down here, we have what? Judaism. We have Judaism. The smallest of the Abrahamic religions is Judah. They only have about 14 million people in Judaism. Of course, a lot, and of course, we call these people Jews. They, we consider these our friends, our neighbors, at least I hope we do, because these are God's chosen people. And you see how far down the list they are? They're hated by a lot of countries, by a lot of people. Uh, Hitler himself tried to annihilate them, and uh, millions of Jews were killed. But I'm glad, and I can say this, that we have a president that considers them our friend. And he moved uh, the embassy to Jerusalem, recognizing uh, the sovereignty of, of Israel. Then after Israel, we just have other beliefs in the world. And there are so many, with, uh, some 814 million people believe in smaller religions. They do not believe in a higher form. So do we still have work in the Christian world to, to work? Yes. Yes, we do. Why do we consider the, the uh, mission field so great? But here lately, it, it's like right here in the United States, we're becoming a mission field. And we have missionaries coming from overseas now to the United State, States and considering it a mission field. That's where we are. Now, we have around 801, almost 802 million people that have no religious affiliation whatsoever. We have about 152 million who call themselves atheists. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in any higher power. Now, what I'm doing here is setting the stage of the world. Are you looking at seeing what the world is like now? And this is where people are born. Every baby that's born wherever around the world, they're born into the world. And 
they have a decision to make. Every person that's born has a decision to make. Now, let's, let's stop for just a moment here and take a look at the world. What are some of the characteristics of the world? We're born as free moral agents to act as individuals. We're free to worship what and when we choose or free to not to worship. We're free moral agents. You're free to think and to do at will. We choose to believe. We choose not to believe. We choose to do right or we choose to do wrong. That's up to us. We choose to love, to hate, to share, to hoard, trust, mistrust. We choose to steal, lie, cheat, undercut our neighbors. You know, everything we do is a choice. We choose healing and helping, or we can choose killing and destruction. But every one of us make choices every day. We are born into the world. You're free to worship as you please or not. And then, and here's where we get to. Now, this is in the world. But then somewhere along the line, you hear about Jesus. Whether it be through a TV program or a radio broadcast or a missionary or whatever. But somehow, some way, then you hear about Jesus and the proximity circles of your relationship begin at that time. The decisions that you make begin at that point. The most critical decision of your life will be made at that point when you hear about Jesus. Your fulfillment in this life and the life to come is contingent upon your decision. Then, what happens if you decide to follow Christ? If you decide to follow Christ, your journey starts. And from that point on, you want to be drawn closer to the Master. And that's when we get into the definite circles of proximity. And you can be as close to God as you want to be. i say that again. So, now we want to move on to the next one. And I'll be hitting these first two tonight. And uh, this next one is the crowds. And that is the outermost association to Christ are the crowds. The first one that we come to. And these groups, these crowds that follow Jesus, you know, sometimes these were very large crowds. As a matter of fact, uh, and we see this on one occasion, the Pharisees were so dumbfounded in what they saw in the crowds following Jesus, they said, look, the whole world has gone after him. So, you know, these crowds can be thousands or tens of thousands that are, are looking at Christ. And, 
from the crowd, you know, it, that's, a, that's a place to be where you can be unnoticed. And some people come to church and they hear about Christ. You know, they, they're in the crowd, but they don't want to get any closer. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to be recognized. But they're just enough that I want to hear what Jesus is saying. Just enough I want to see what Jesus is doing. Now, crowds are impressive, aren't they? I mean, look at the crowds. And I, uh, I was looking at the, the political realm this past week with one presidential candidate went to one place and he had one person show up. The other candidate goes to a place and there's thousands show up. Crowds are impressive. They look good. It's great. And uh, Jesus wasn't that impressed with the crowds. Uh, you, you, can, you, you can stand in a crowd and you can look and you can duck and you can, can walk around and uh, not be noticed. And in the crowd, you don't have to make a commitment. You don't have to, to uh, uh, look up and say, oh, well, pastor said I need to do so and so, so I need to get involved in this. No, not in the crowd. So you can hide in a crowd. The crowd is... Even though the crowd itself is impressive, God's not impressed with the crowds. And some people, as close as they ever get to God, is the crowd. They get in the crowd. Uh, but whenever you're following Jesus and you want to get closer to Him, you want to get out of the crowd. You want to move up a little closer. You see, the crowds represent those who follow Jesus just to listen and watch. You ever had people say, uh, you've heard them say, well, I'd like to go down to this particular church and see what's going on. In other words, I'm not going down to be a blessing. I'm not going down for anything else. I just want to go see what's going on. That's what happens in the crowd. You go down to see what's going on. Or... I want to hear what this man says. You know, I might could, uh, find something that I could use against him. So let's, go, let's, let's just go get in the crowd and be with them. Uh, they come to watch. They come to listen. But in the crowd, there's no commitment. No commitment. No commitment in the crowd. You can stand back in the crowd. And some people, the closest they ever get to Christ is the crowd. They follow the crowd along. When Jesus went out into the desert, what did the crowd do? The crowd followed him into the desert. And they went, you know, well, I, I, I want to see what he's going to do. I want to see, uh, what, what's he going to say now? I wonder if he's going to talk against the emperor today. I just wonder. So they followed the crowd, but they're still unnoticed. There's still no commitment whatsoever. But the crowd is necessary because the crowd is where Jesus 
from the place where Jesus got his disciples. You follow me? See, I said, once you hear about Jesus and you follow the crowd, you've got a decision to make. Are you going to draw closer or are you going to stay out in the crowd where you can be hid and you have to make no commitment? And now we look at the, uh, at the crowd itself. What are the characteristics of the crowd? Least committed of all the circles, if there's any commitment whatsoever. Follow with the crowd. Most impressive in size, but not in substance. They're curious about what Jesus says. They're curious about what he does. As long as they don't have to change or make any, you know, uh, act on what he says, we can stay in the crowd. The crowd is just looking for a momentary fix. One can look on with curiosity and not be noticed in the crowd. There's no commitment. There are no ties in the crowd. Though in the crowd, you're still alone. Actions and secrets, they can be concealed in the crowd. God, and let me say this loud, God is not impressed with crowds. And this is the first step in drawing closer to God. Even though he's not impressed with the crowds, you have to go through the crowd before you get to the next level. And next week, we're going to be looking at the next couple of circles. And we're going to be studying these more depth and more depth as we go through these circles of proximity and getting closer to Jesus Christ. You don't want to stay in the crowd. And I'm going to leave it at, uh, there right now. And we'll go on from this next week. And like I say, I'm going to go into deeper and deeper and deeper. Any questions from you tonight? Any questions? We go through the world. You've seen the relationship of where we fit in the world. And then we look at the crowds and where the, we have to make a decision once we hear Jesus.